Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of Modern Money with Misty Lynch. I'm your host, Misty Lynch, and today we're going to talk about self-confidence, confidence, and I'm going to be joined later by an amazing guest who's done quite a bit at a very early age with her business and career, Ashley Mason. She's the CEO of Student to CEO and Dash of Social. I think it's important to talk about self-confidence because a lot of times we, we feel like we have to have everything right in order to move forward or in order to succeed. And I think that there's something that people should think about when it comes to doing something new. Like if you want to start a business or start saving money or become an investor, a lot of times what we normally do is we look at our past for evidence of doing something. And that's confidence. So you can look at a list of all your successes, all of the things that you were able to do in the past if you're able to get great grades in school. You'll feel confident when it comes to taking tests or If you've always been able to save money well, you might feel very confident with saving, but a little nervous when it comes to investing. And so the difference between confidence and self-confidence is that external validation, that decision that we need to go back in time to see proof of something. And so if we only rely on confidence, if we only rely on people telling us that we're great at something, it's really hard to move into the future, to do new things, to try and succeed in something that we have no evidence that we could be great at. So I feel like I've relied on self-confidence in a a few ways. Uh, One in particular was when I left the world of compliance to become a financial advisor. In the past, I'd failed. I had become an advisor right out of college. I did not have any clients. I didn't know how to talk to people. I didn't know how to meet new people. Um, It seemed like everybody wanted to, you know, speak with my boss or thought I was an assistant. And I just constantly just felt like this wasn't going to work. And so when I decided to go back into this space, I had no evidence from the past that I would be great at it. But what I did know is at this point in my life, I felt like I'm comfortable trying new things. I'm perfectly fine knowing that the worst thing that could happen to me is a bad feeling. I could feel unsuccessful. I could feel maybe embarrassed or um, nervous, and I could get through that. I've felt that way before. And so a few years ago when I decided to go back and try to work with clients, it was really coming from a place internally of self-confidence. And there was a lot of people that thought I was making a mistake. A lot of people said, you know, why don't you stay with the job that you know you're going to, you know, make six figures doing or you're going to have success or people have, you know, you've done a good job here. Why don't you just stay? But the thing is with self-confidence, you don't need other people to tell you that you're going to do a good job. It's all internal because honestly, failure is what moves you forward when it comes to self-confidence. That will break you down if you're just relying on confidence. So say you were injured and you used to have no problem getting out of bed and walking. And now all of a sudden it, 
you can't do it, or your legs feel different, or you're tired faster, you could start to really lose that confidence in your abilities really quickly because it's coming from a place external, something else happened. Now, I know I'm confident in a few areas, but this was not one of those places. But it was helpful to know that really the worst thing that could happen to me was a bad feeling. And if that's all, then it really made it okay to move forward. So some people might think that others are overconfident or maybe cocky. Um, and, and I think that comes from a different place. That comes from more of an insecure place. I think I've met people that have given off this air of confidence that everything that they can do works or that they're the best out there. And I think that that can lead you to trouble when someone else comes out there and is doing a better job than you or maybe is more talented, more successful. And so that's still relying on the outside world to prove you're right. So I think those are two very different things. And having a lot of self-confidence can be very helpful. And you'll see that in my guest later today. Ashley, at a young age, has so much self-confidence. She has not seen people do what she does. She hasn't had necessarily a mentor or somebody who is out there where she could just follow in their footsteps. And she had to do a lot of different things on her own. And so I think that that internal, that drive, is something that we can all work at. But sometimes it's good to, to focus on it. And it, it requires some thought. It requires a lot of energy. It requires you taking risks, um, knowing that potentially you could fail and that that is okay. You could fail over and over again and continue to move forward. No one has to stop you because it's really just you. It's really just you that you're relying on to make those decisions and to keep moving forward, even if you have to pick yourself back up. So I think it's really kind of a great thing to take a look at some of your accomplishments in the past. Maybe, maybe you're a great public speaker. Maybe you've had success in business. Maybe you are younger and you're very good at school. And I think it's important to take a look at those things and to be proud of your accomplishments. And if you need to, you can always look at evidence there to see you know, how you can use some of those skills to move forward in the future and to try new things because there's always going to be new things that come up. There's always going to be different opportunities. And you know, if you just rely on what you've done, there might be a lot of hesitation or pause when it comes to doing something new, something exciting, something great, because you're not always going to have that, that past. You're not always going to have that proof. And you know, we used to always you know, want to stay in a group. We want to fit in. We always want to not be different. You know, our brain is still programmed for that, you know, that need for safety. And, you know, if you don't put yourself out there, it's easier not to fail. It's easier not to feel embarrassed or out excluded from the group. But we don't need that anymore. We don't need that external um, group around us to keep us safe and keep us alive. We have a lot more opportunity to try new things. And even with this radio show, I had never done radio. I had no evidence that it would be successful. Um, there's plenty of things. There's a pandemic. I have two kids that I need to homeschool now. I have, um, you know, there's been all of these reasons why now is just the worst time to try anything new. Um, everyone should just, you know, save their money, kind of get into this panic survival mode. But I really felt that, that self-confidence that, you know, maybe this is a great time to try it. And what's the worst that can happen? Really, if, if the worst that can happen is maybe I say something wrong or somebody doesn't like what I say or disagrees with me, then the worst that can happen is really just that, 
bad feeling that might come as a result of that. But I'm not going to lose my job. I'm not going to get sick. I'm not going to get hurt um, for trying something. And so that's why I was able to make a decision to try something different with no proof that it was going to be great. So we're going to take a quick break now. I'd love for you to check out mistylynch.com if you'd like to hear a little bit more of the podcast or maybe read some blogs or check out um, our investment strategy and other ways that you could work with me. And I'll be back with Ashley Mason, the CEO of Dash of Social and student to CEO. In the financial markets, the only guarantee is that tomorrow will be different from today. The most successful investors tend to have three major things in common when it comes to investing. They have a very disciplined game plan, they have access to industry-leading research, and they are patient. As you are planning for your financial future, partnering with a team that shares these same characteristics is a must. At Beck Bodie, we strategize with you to answer the three questions that are critical to optimizing your financial objectives. We utilize research from the very best minds on Wall Street, and we understand that successful investing is a product of discipline over time. Whether you're just getting started, already retired, or somewhere in between, partner with Beck Bodie and put the experience and expertise of our great team behind your most important assets. Contact us at beckbodie.com for a consultation. That's B-E-C-K-B-O-D-E.com. Beck Bodie. Welcome back. Today, I am joined by Ashley Mason. She's a marketing consultant, TEDx speaker, and the founder of both Dash of Social and Student to CEO. She started her marketing firm at the age of 19, and she successfully grew it to reach six figures by the time she was 21 and took it full-time when she graduated college. Since then, she's been featured in prominent publications such as TEDx, The Huffington Post, Thrive Global, Sway Magazine, and more. She's passionate about pursuing entrepreneurship at a young age, and she hopes to inspire others to take the leap just as she did. Thank you so much, Ashley, for joining me today. Misty, thank you for having me. So I want to start at the beginning because I think that, you know, being a young entrepreneur, this must have started somewhere. So tell me, I, I think I heard about um, you used to play some games with your, with your siblings <laughs> when you were like, can you tell me about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I say that my entrepreneurial interest really sparked when I was about six years old. As you mentioned, my sisters and I used to play this game called stores where we'd each pretend to own a store and buy fake things from each other with fake money. And I became obsessed with the game and begged them to play it with me so much that they basically became sick of it. But there was something about the whole idea of owning a business, making money, and hopefully one day making a lot of it that really drew me in. So from there, I was always trying to find ways to make money at a super young age, whether it was babysitting, running a lemonade stand, doing chores around the house, anything like that, because I just love that idea of being able to sustain myself. And so it was really that ideology in me that definitely pushed me forward with being able to start my business. I have pictures of myself sitting at my dad's desk when I was about six years old as well. And I had my feet up and I was pretending to talk on the phone. And I think I used to just play boss by myself because I had no <laughs> idea what he did, but I was like, this just feels right to me. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway, so I have, so when it comes to marketing and social media, so did you start um, with that or, or how did you actually start working online in your business? 
Yeah. So when I was 15 years old, I started a fashion and lifestyle blog. I've always been someone who's loved to read and write. So starting a blog just became something that was really natural for me. Um, it was at the beginning of my sophomore year of high school, which was typically a really difficult year academically with our school. And so I wanted to have some type of creative outlet that helped me to relieve stress and just have fun. I ended up basically treating this blog as a part-time job and worked on it for probably 10 to 15 hours per week at least in terms of writing posts, connect with other bloggers, uh, partnering with other companies, things along those lines. I ended up basically becoming a mini influencer and working with companies through paid partnerships. And from there, I ended up really loving marketing because it's through social media that allowed me to grow my blog and have these opportunities. I realized from my own experience how important not only social media, but marketing is in general for being able to build a brand and grow a business. And I really wanted to kind of help more companies do the same. So I ended up helping those companies that I already worked with through my blog on a pro bono basis just to kind of help them with their marketing and also get more experience on my end. Once I felt like I had enough experience to really start charging people for it, I dipped into the freelance world until I eventually started Dash of Social in 2016. So in 2016, were you in college at that point? I was. I had just started my sophomore year. And so how did you manage um, going to college? And then you said that this was a business even when you were 15. So you never treated this as a hobby, which I think a lot of people that have certain interests that could make them money, like um, you know the, the partnerships you did or the writing. So you treated this like a business from day one. So how were you able to manage all of the things that you had going on, uh, plus being a college sophomore? <laughs> Yeah, that is a great question. I say, fortunately, I was blessed with really good time management skills. And so what it really came down to a lot of it was sacrifice, ultimately, of just having to say no to plans that came up my way because I really needed to hit deadlines or making sure that every single minute that I had was spent uh, either doing schoolwork or focusing on my business or anything like that. So I never really had downtime. I never really understood what it meant to be bored because I wish I kind of wish I had more time. Another thing that really helped me was just using a project management system. So that's something that I've used since probably the start of my blog, actually. It's just using some type of software. I've used Asana and Trello as two examples, just to be able to really track the different tasks that I need to focus on and what needs to be done and when, so that way nothing slips through the cracks. And it really helps me to kind of stay on track and know what I need to be doing. So that way I'm always writing my to-do list and having things planned and I'm not just kind of winging it and hoping that I don't forget to do anything. I think that's smart. Sometimes when you wing it or you try to remember what you need to do and things don't get done, it ends up taking twice as long. And then I feel like that, that cycle of being overwhelmed and not having enough time, it just continues to repeat. But using those project management tools, getting organized, those can be really effective for having some free time and actually scheduling that time in that you know you want to spend with your friends, with your family or downtime. So I think that's very helpful. So when you started this business in college, was everybody supportive? Or what did you hear from people <laughs> who thought perhaps you should be doing something else or being like a normal college kid? Yeah, so fortunately my friends and family were always super supportive, which I'm really thankful for because truthfully, it was really my parents that their opinions mattered the most to me because if they believed I can do it, then I could and no one else's opinion really mattered in my perspective. But there were definitely people that, who I shared my business with that absolutely doubted me and would ask me questions such as, 
shouldn't you get real world experience first as if what I was doing wasn't already experience and asking what I do about in health insurance and then asking if I can even like make a living wage and sustain myself. So there was so much doubt, but really what helped me to kind of get past that was understanding that what they were saying to me wasn't exactly a reflection of me. It was a reflection of them. And truthfully, most of the time, it was people who just didn't want to see me get hurt or fail and be upset and things like that. They really just wanted the best. But I really kind of kept my goal in mind and understood that if I really worked hard and pushed to do it, I could end up getting to the point where I wanted to be. I think that is a great lesson because a lot of times it is really just how people feel about themselves and their progress and their success when they're telling you to slow down, take a break, maybe just relax and be a kid when you knew exactly what you wanted to be doing and you were out there doing it. Health insurance is always going to come up. I swear. It's like one thing that's just always on some entrepreneurs' minds, on everybody who's working's mind, which hopefully at some point will, will change, but that that's something, but it's certainly not a deal breaker, especially if you're in your early twenties and healthy. It could be exactly, uh, you know, a, a decent, a decent risk to take if you had to fund that on your own. And I wanted to, it sounds like, I mean, I love hearing how supportive your parents were in your family. And I think that that can be sometimes, think about, I I have a list in my, in my wallet that I keep of the people whose whose opinions matter to me. It is very short. Um, And so whenever I feel like I'm doing something different or I'm worried about being out there too much or talking too much, I, I think about those, those people that are on that list. And those are really the only names that matter. So I know that you, um, you lost your mother at a young age. And I think a lot of people that finally realize that my time is valuable and I want to spend it with the people that I care about. Sometimes people don't realize that or learn that lesson until they're older. That happened at a young age for you. Can you tell me about how that made you realize that you had to be an entrepreneur? Of course. So as you mentioned, my mom was diagnosed with glioblastoma the day after my 19th birthday. So what made me kind of realized that was like, oh, wow, life is short. We actually don't have as much time as we think we do. So whatever goals, plans, dreams we have, we better start putting them into place now. So it was really that diagnosis that kind of inspired me and motivated me to work really hard to launch Dash Dash of Social. And I ended up launching it eight months later in September 2016. And just uh, going through with just kind of managing her sickness and being a caretaker for her while I was going to school, it just made me realize how lucky I was to be an entrepreneur because I could create my own schedule. So when I was taking care of her in the mornings before going off to class, I could do my client work super early in the morning to get it done before I needed to be there for her. And then also schedule any calls in between classes or when I'm home from class so that way I'm not interfering with my schedule. If things came up, I was able to move things around really quickly and things like that. And so it just kind of made me realize that with the position and situation that I was in, if I had an employer, I genuinely don't think I would have had that flexibility. And that flexibility is something that ended up meaning so much to me and being such an important value that I've instilled in my life moving forward. Yeah, I think that that is something that that time we can't get back, we can't create more of it. And I think that, you know, even just just hearing you speak about your parents and your mother and your father too, it's just, I think that that's something that people really need to consider when they think about their dreams and they think about building the life that they want, where, you know, where they, they put the things that they really care about the most on that, you know, on that order. And, and I think that that's something that involves some financial planning It involves business planning and staying organized, like you said, but things are possible if they're really what you, you know, if you're dreaming about this or it's something that you need to do, people always tend to, you can find a way to make it work. 
Absolutely. And one thing along with that, too, is that the whole ideology of the structured nine to five, I feel like is truly no longer relevant because personally for me, I'm super productive in the morning. So I will tend to work earlier and then therefore maybe end my work earlier than others because of that. I know other people who actually get their rush of motivation at 10 o'clock at night. And so being an entrepreneur gives you so much flexibility, with just that aspect of being able to work in the time that works for you, but also making sure that you're still making money while doing it and you're still successful. Yeah. I think that the, the nine to five is really just, uh, has been something that was created, you know, 70 years ago and became the norm, but it really doesn't function that, that great for, you know, two working parents or even just people who are trying to to be creative and are forced to do it during the hours that might not suit them the best. I agree. I'm a morning person as well. Around three o'clock, four o'clock, if I have a meeting at that time, it's usually going to be some B minus effort there. So <laughs> I think that could be, that's something that's really important too, to try to think about, you know, when you can do your best work. And I think now that companies are having people work virtually, maybe they're going to start to see a little bit more of that and maybe maybe adapt a little bit more to the way society is and how people's lives need to operate instead of that, that strict nine to five, you know, long commute that really only works when you have either somebody at home or, you know, you have the freedom to, you know, to, to get into the office and, and work those hours. Absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit more about, about Dash of Social first. And what is the importance of a brand? I know there's a lot of people that maybe don't like social media or they haven't really, um, they don't spend too much time on it themselves. But what have you seen with the companies you've worked with, how branding can be really important? Yeah, social media is huge for building brand awareness. So a lot of people tend to have the misconception that social media is that golden ticket that will instantly bring you sales as soon as you start using it. And even though it will help you to make more money, it's not because of the fact that you're using social media, it's the fact that you're building your brand and you're being able to position yourself as an expert, prove that you're a thought leader within your industry and attract the ideal clients and customers. So being able to share what I like to call value-driven content, whether it's tips, advice, lessons you've learned, free resources, anything along the way that can really help your audience will do so much for you in the long run. And going along with that, making sure that you have your uh, own social media accounts that are specific to your business rather than using your personal accounts are just as important. That's one thing that people tend to do too, especially if they're a solo entrepreneur, is they tend to use the personal accounts that they already have rather than, rather than starting brand new ones. But truthfully, your friends and family most likely aren't your target audience. And so being able to differentiate between that will really help to, again, Prove your credibility and build that know, like, and trust factor with your audience. And people do business with people that they know, like, and trust. And so with that, I think sometimes the, the, your family, the people closest to you might be the ones that are the most reluctant to want to see you change because they like you the mm. way you are. So this new, um, you know, exposure and, you know, showing up and consistency, it could be, it could be something that you do want to target to your ideal clients. And I think that that's very smart. And then you keep that personal piece separate so it doesn't feel like work and life are completely intertwined all, at all times. Do you think that social capital is important to people now if they want to work with someone that they know, like, and trust? How has that changed with, you know, people maybe not recommending somebody, you know, at the golf course or word of mouth? How is social media changing that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I actually read a stat last night and I can't remember the exact number, but it, it said that basically people take really into effective the positive reviews that people will read before investing in a product or service. So people rely heavily on the experiences that others have shared of either working with you if you're a service-based business or purchasing one of your products if you're a product-based business. And so with social capital, being able to really focus on how you're able to build a extremely valuable, helpful, and optimized online presence will make people really understand, again, that you're that expert in your industry. So that way, if they're looking to hire someone like you or purchase some, one of the products that you, that you sell, they'll be able to go to your profile and see how consistent you are, how you're constantly providing quality content, and things along those lines that just, again, makes you show that, oh, this person is seriously legit. I should end up working with them or buying these products now. So it, can you possibly show up too much when it comes to your, your business and your brand, or is that just something that people might be telling themselves when they're, when they're thinking about, you know, wanting to maybe do something different or not write that article or share that post? Is it possible to not, to show up too much? I think it definitely depends. So I always say that when it comes to posting on social media, it's more important to be consistent than frequent. So even if your consistency is two posts per week, that's absolutely okay because you're posting two times per week and it means that you're not that you're not kind of neglecting your social platforms. A lot of people think that they need to post on every single platform multiple times a day, which is truthfully overwhelming and actually not really necessary. But I think with showing up too much, it might come in different Forms. Like for example, especially with the marketing industry, there's a lot of fluff, so to say. So people will say things such as like how to get 10,000 Instagram followers in one month or how to hit six figures in one week and like all this like crazy stuff where I think it's just, you kind of have to cut through the clutter and understand what's actually true and what isn't. So I think in those cases, you just really have to make sure that when you are showing up, you're providing something that's legit and valuable rather than speaking just to speak. And how do you do that with your clients? Is that how you help? Yeah, absolutely. So we focus a lot on really looking at what their goals are, where their expertise lies, and what they'd like to focus on with social media and making sure that we're crafting content that exactly targets those goals and provides really helpful tips and advice to, to their audience that they can easily take and implement. I want to talk a little bit about the second company you launched before we go, Student to CEO. Now, why did you create this community and what's your vision for it? Student to CEO is basically the platform that I wish I had when I started almost four years ago. So Student to CEO is a free platform that inspires young individuals to pursue their entrepreneurial interests rather than follow the nine to five route. So for the past year, since I had taken Dash of Social full time, I've had this really big push to create something like Student to CEO. I constantly had people around my age asking me how I did it, what advice I would give them, what they should do if they want to start a company, all of the things like that. And it made me realize if I'm constantly getting questions like this, then this just proves that something like student to CEO is needed. And also too, I've realized that at a young age, I've been able to have really awesome and inspiring opportunities that I'm extremely grateful for that I would not have had if I worked for someone else. But truthfully, I'm just a normal person. So if I can do it, anyone else can. And so with student to CEO, that's really what we're focused on doing is just showing up and providing the resources for people who are just starting out. I think that's so great that you're sharing what you learned and what you know with the people that you know you wish you had when you were trying, you know, starting things out and trying to find those resources. 
And now you've gotten into your stride. So you're able to manage your time and your schedule in a way. I know I don't reach out to you on Fridays because I have a feeling you're at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that's great. So tell me now, how, do, how are you feeling about about your business and where you see it going now that you've, you know, you've been in business for a few years. Yes. So I say that my five-year plan is really to kind of take a step back on actually doing the work and more so focus on growing, scaling, and developing the business. So I've already worked on building a team that's able to handle a variety of tasks for us. And so, but I still do a ton of the actual client work. And so eventually I'd really love to actually step into that actual CEO role where I'm more so focusing heavily on sales, uh, interacting with clients, working on the overall business development, and just really doing anything I can to continue to bring Dash of Social to the next level year after year. Because I actually realized a few months ago that I was spending way too much time working in my business rather than on it. And if I want to be able to hit the goals that I have, I need to be able to make that switch and bring in other people who can help support the day-to-day -day stuff. So that way I can, again, have that step into that CEO role and be able to do the things I need to do to take it to where I want it to be. I think that is so exciting. I'm so excited to see what you do in the future, Ashley. I think you have so much talent. You're so smart. And I think that you're wonderful to work with. And so if somebody listening, if you feel you need a marketing strategy or you don't understand what SEO means, but you know, it's important, how can people reach you, Ashley, if they'd like to talk and see if you're a good fit? Yes, I would be happy to chat with anyone about their business and what they feel like they could use support with, with their marketing. So my website is dashofsocial.com. And then you can find me at Dash of Social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much, Ashley. And thank you everyone for listening. Um, as always, please feel free to head over to my website, mistylynch.com. If you're looking to see if you have any room in your budget to find a way to add in marketing or support and build your business, that's always going to start with a strong financial plan. And I can't wait to talk to you again next week. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.